Hey guys, my name is Emma Mack, and you are listening to the Getting to Know God podcast. For those who don't know me, I am 25 years old and I live in Texas. I'm not a pastor, I'm not a speaker, I'm just sharing my journey in getting to know God and hoping to lead others to do the same. So that is where my heart is, and I hope you'll take this ride with me. All right, so on a personal note, I've had such a rough week. I've lost all of my files on my laptop twice. The first time we were able to find where they moved, but the second time, not so much. They are nowhere to be found. I know this probably isn't a big deal to most people, but I've lost all of my business files, every last one of them. I know what you're thinking. Why didn't you back them up? Well, my backup software had my account frozen and didn't let me know. So I'm not sure if it was even working in the background because unfreezing my account takes a day or two. So just a warning out there to everyone, automatic updates may not be the way to go. The weird thing is that this doesn't even feel like my laptop anymore. All the personal touches are gone, my wallpapers have changed, all the tabs that come up when I open Chrome have disappeared, and my desktop icons are gone. So just to tie this in with the theme, when my laptop is exactly the way I like it with my favorite wallpaper, the desktop icons are in the right spots, and all of my tabs are correct, this is what heaven is like to us. Everything is perfect and in the right spot. We are happy. The state my laptop is in now just doesn't feel right. Everything still works and I can use it just fine, but something is off. This is what earth feels like to us. It's not our forever home, so there is always some spiritual uneasiness. We long to be in heaven and to be with God, just like I'm longing for my files back. Unfortunately, I don't have my files and I'll have to recreate my intro and outro music, but hopefully that's not the reason you listen to my podcast. This week, we're going to study Revelation chapters 18 and 19, and you already know I'll be reading the NLT translation. This is chapter 18. After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with his splendor. He gave a mighty shout, Babylon is fallen. The great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture, and every foul and dreadful animal. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her because of her desires for extravagant luxury. The merchants of the world have grown rich. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Do to her as she has done to others. Double her penalty for all her evil deeds. She has brewed a cup of terror for others, so brew twice as much for her. She glorified herself and lived in luxury, so match it now with torment and sorrow. She boasted in her heart, I am queen on my throne. I am no helpless widow, and I have no reason to mourn. Therefore, these plagues will overtake her in a single day, death and mourning and famine. She will be completely consumed by fire, for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. They will stand at a distance terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, How terrible, how terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city! In a single moment, God's judgment came upon you. The merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods, she bought great quantities of gold, silver, 
jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple silk, and scarlet cloth, things made of fragrant thine wood, ivory goods, and objects made of expensive wood and bronze, ivory and marble. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, wagons, and bodies, that is, human slaves. The fancy things you love so much are gone, they cry. All your luxury and splendor are gone forever, never to be yours again. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance. Terrified by her great torment, they will weep and cry out. How terrible, how terrible for that great city. She was clothed in finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. In a single moment, all the wealth of the city is gone. And all the captains of the merchant ships and their passengers and sailors and crews will stand at a distance. They will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend, and they will say, Where is there another city as great as this? And they will weep and throw dust on their heads to show their grief, and they will cry out, How terrible! How terrible for that great city! The shipowners became wealthy by transporting her great wealth on the seas. In a single moment, it is all gone. Rejoice over her fate, O heaven, and the people of God and apostles and prophets, for at last God has judged her for your sakes. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone. He threw it into the ocean and shouted, Just like this, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down with violence, and will never be found again. The sound of harps, singers, flutes, and trumpets will never be heard in you again. No craftsmen and no trades will ever be found in you again. The sound of the mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The happy voices of brides and grooms will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the greatest in the world, and you deceived the nations with your sorceries. In your streets flowed the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. This chapter starts with an angel talking about the fall of Babylon, slash the great prostitute, who represents the enemies of God. In verse 3 it says, The kings of the world have committed adultery with her, just like it says in chapter 17, verse 2. For me, I think that when the exact wording is used, it's for a reason and we should probably pay attention. Of course, not all translations use the exact same words, but some do, such as ESV. Skipping down to verse 8, it says, Therefore these plagues will overtake her in a single day, death and mourning and famine. She will be completely consumed by fire, for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. These three, well, four if you include the fire, um, they caught my attention. Like, is there a specific meaning to them? But in verse 7, she says, I am queen on my throne, I am no helpless widow, and I have no reason to mourn. This reminds me of something my mom used to say to me when I was a child. When I would have an attitude, or so, she said, and I would say something like, well, I don't have a reason to eat my veggies. I'm full. She would respond with, well, I'll give you a reason to eat them. Anyways, I did some research on this text and this is what I found. So the plague of death would overtake her, her children, and her city by sword and war. The plague of mourning, she would mourn the loss of her, her children, her city, the seed of the beast and his kingdom, and... She is used to feasting and celebrating, so mourning is quite the opposite of what they are 
used to. Part of me thinks that God has a sense of humor and probably sent this plague of mourning because she said she didn't have a reason to mourn. The plague of famine instead of the luxuries they were used to. Uh, Famine usually comes with war, especially when cities are sieged for a long period of time. And one can infer that Babylon would be surrounded for some time, which would cause famine. However, in the beginning of verse 8, it does say that these plagues would overtake her in a day. But time on earth and time in heaven are very different. Now, I'm not sure that fire is considered a plague, but after looking into it, I found that there are three ways that Babylon could be consumed by fire. Either the fire would come down from heaven like when Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, fire could break out on the earth, or by the ten kings that were mentioned in chapter 17 verse 12 that make up the beast's army, or it could be a combination of these or literally all of them. After she was destroyed, three groups of people mourned her death. The kings who committed adultery with her and also enjoyed her luxury, the merchants of the world who sold goods to her and became wealthy, and the captains of the merchant ships and their entire crew who transported her goods. They mourned because they aren't going to be able to profit from her anymore. The kings won't be able to engage in adultery or enjoy her luxuries. The merchants aren't able to sell their goods to her, and the ship captains and crews don't have any goods to transport. In verse 21, it says, Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone. The verse goes on, but what made me take a second look was the millstone. I personally have no idea what a millstone is, so I looked it up. And a typical millstone is made of basalt, not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is a volcanic rock. It is usually about a foot and a half and, I'm sorry, it's usually about a foot and a half in diameter and about four inches thick. Now this is the millstone we're talking about. And it kind of looks like a wheel made of stone. And they were actually used to grind grain. And even a small millstone can weigh more than a hundred pounds. In this context, this millstone is enormous. It could easily weigh a thousand pounds. Last is chapter 19. After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Praise the Lord! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute, who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. And again their voices rang out, Praise the Lord, the smoke from this city ascends forever and ever. Then the twenty-four elders and the four living beings fell down and worshipped God, who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, Amen, praise the Lord. And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him, from the least to the greatest. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are true words that come from God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said, No, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters, who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. 
Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dripped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty, like juices flowing from a winepress. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals and strong warriors of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world, and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse, and the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Chapter 19 starts with praises being sung and worshiping God. Then it goes into talking about the wedding feast of the Lamb. The angel says to John that everyone who is invited to the wedding is blessed. John falls to his knees and begins to worship the angel. The only reasonable reason he would do this is because he thought the angel was Jesus. Anyways, the angel replies that he was not worthy to be worshipped because he was a servant of God just like John. The angel ends with saying, The essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. I wasn't exactly sure what he meant by that. I know what prophecy is, but I never understood why it was a gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, those are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. After doing some research, I concluded that the purpose of prophecy is to make the will of God known and to give testimony to Jesus. In the middle of verse 12, when John was describing the rider on the white horse, it says that a name was written on him that no one understood except him. Remember back in chapter 2, the end of verse 17, which says, and I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. This was in the letter to the church of Pergamum, who was warned that they needed to repent. Like I said above, I think the repetition used here is important. I think that this kind of brings us to a similar level as Jesus. John describes the writer with a title on his robe that says, King of Kings and Lord of All Lords. With that, we conclude that this is the second coming of Jesus. The first time he came to earth, he was humble, but this time he is a royal conqueror and he will win the war. Earlier in verse 15, it says that he has a sword that comes from his mouth. As we all know, the Bible is the sword of the spirit in the armor of God, which is in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Chapter 19 ends with, And the vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. This is very graphic, but that shows just how serious the wrath of God is. This feeling, or at least what I'm feeling, is what they mean when they say, fear the Lord. 
I don't personally fear him in our sense of the word fear, but I sure as heck fear what could happen if I didn't have a relationship with him. So that is it for this week. As I mentioned last week, I will be changing my upload day. So much has changed in my life this past week. My aunt is having surgery, so please pray for her. And while she's recovering, I'm going to take care of my uncle who has dementia. And due to that situation, I'm going to take a small break from uploading so I can focus on what he needs and I'm not worried about meeting deadlines. I plan on coming back late September or early October with a new upload day for season two of Getting to Know God. I'll keep you guys updated on Instagram and you can follow me at Getting to Know God Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week.